Hello, Coop, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Spilling Labrador Tea Under Cedar Trees with Kate and Teacher Mads. Yeah, Gwei. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, we are excited today. Uh, we're This is round two, at episode number two. Uh, so we're hoping that everything's going to go really well today. Um, today we're going to talk about urban identity and what it's like to be a, an indigenous person in the city. Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> I have so many thoughts and feelings on this. I I know you've you've been boiling. You've been boiling. <laughs> I've been for steeping. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's spill it. All right, let's do it. So first, Teacher Madeline, what do you do, and why do we call you Teacher Madeline? <laughs> uh, I feel like everyone kind of needs an explanation. Uh, yeah, so I am a teacher. Well, in a sense, um, I work at a daycare um, in a preschool class. And so that is, in some form or fashion, how I got started being called teacher. Well, it was teacher Madeline to start, and then it switched to teacher Mads. It fluctuates uh, because I told my friends that all the kids at the daycare <laughs> call me teacher Madeline, and it just kind of stuck. Um, yeah, so I work at a really big center, which um, for confidential confidentiality reasons I'm not going to say where, yeah. but um, I'm also assistant director there as well. So I literally help run the show um especially at the end of the day so I helped take care of um 130 children but there's only 12 kids in my class yes um and they're between the ages of I would say two and a half to three and a half um so yeah fun fun age group I always have amazing stories that I tell Caitlin about the really weird things that kids do and uh especially the the hilarious things they say um yeah, I, uh, I love my job, and I think that, obviously, educating um, our children is very, very important. Um, I have a strong belief that they are very much our future, and it is important to um, nurture, love, and support them from the very beginning um, to ensure that they are healthy and happy individuals later in life. Um, yeah, I, I'm really happy with this route, um, but I am planning to... Um, further my education and hopefully one day become a psychologist and focus on children. Yes, and also you will be a really big teacher soon because you're going to be done your ECE. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am currently taking courses to get my actual certification. Right now I'm just um, an early childhood educator assistant, but I will soon be a full-on ECE. Yeah, you will. Just <laughs> super awesome. All right, Kate. What do you do? Name, give us a list of what you do. <laughs> um, well, I have slight ADHD, so this will explain why I wear so many hats. Uh, currently, I'm also in school full-time at Royal Roads University in the Justice Studies program. And then part-time, I am working at Videa, which is an international development agency, as their Indigenous Governance Coordinator. Shout out to Videa. Shout out to Videa. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> and, um, goodness, what else do I do? I am the Deputy Chair for the Canadian Commission for UNESCO's Youth Advisory. And I am on the Paktitut, my bad, uh, National Inuit Women's uh, Association Youth Gender Equality Council. All these things are absolute mouthfuls, and I'm so sorry. And there's a lot of acronyms, too, which is just ridiculous. Have Everyone loves an acronym. 
Except for some of our friends, when I start speaking in just letters, they just stare at me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Nobody likes algebra, all right? <laughs> I know. Um, uh, goodness, what else have I done or do? I do speaking engagements once in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I almost forgot some of my jobs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to pull up my resume real quick. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just really enjoy working in community and working in decision-making spaces because I have mad love for policy and not a lot of people do, um, which is completely valid because how dry it can be. But I feel that like policy is definitely like one of my love languages because that's how you like you really implement change, mm-hmm. I feel. And then like as well as being like an indigenous person, particularly like an indigenous woman, like how intimate and deep our relationship has been with policy, like with the Indian Act and legislation against the 60 scoop. Like it is so entrenched in us now of how we govern ourselves that like good policy practices and implementation are so important no 100 percent. that's just my i can go on a ted talk (laughs) (laughs) welcome to my ted talk (laughs) we don't do podcasts anymore we're doing ted talks (laughs) get the board out yeah um of course though too like we are big sisters we both have a boatload of siblings oh yeah that's also one of our main jobs too (laughs) Um, I, I've actually been like my, my brother for sure has been messaging me being like, Hey, can I get some information? He's like, what symbols are from our nation? And I was like, all right, very specific. Uh, hold on. Let me Google it. (laughs) Just, um, yeah. I am also Caitlin's manager. (laughs) Basically Madeline is like my publicist. She's my photographer. Uh, she's like my booking agent. <laughs> I'm I'm also her cook when she's doing her exams because she will refuse to eat. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're both very, very busy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really enjoy being able to get time to come in, talk about important issues that we think everyone wants to hear and learn about. I think so. Yeah. I hope so, at least. <laughs> it's always the hope. Right. If not, we're just, we're just talking to ourselves and getting to hear us talk to ourselves. <laughs> and uh, making David listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so often you and I have this conversation about what it's like to live outside of our homelands. Yeah. And same with my sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week, my sister was saying, oh, have you seen, like, so-and-so's Instagram stories? I'm keeping people's names out of this because that's yeah, just yeah. no good. And um, I was like, no, like, what the heck are you talking about? And uh, it was this person saying that, um, specifically Inuit, who live in the South, choose to continue to live in the South. They have the option yeah. to go home. And my sister and I, she was saying this, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. And my sister's like, am I on clue? Right? Is there something that I'm missing? And I was like, no, like, there's pros and cons to both. There's mm-hmm. pros and cons to living in the South, and there's pros and cons to living back home. Yeah. Right? And I was just like, you know, we have better access to education in the South and healthcare and housing and all those really important necessities. But on the flip side, we don't have access to food, culture, language. Yeah. So it's a it's a slippery slope, 
But I don't enjoy this narrative that you can't just pick up and go home. Because the cost barrier to go home is insane. Yeah. And it's like, also, are you going to find my housing for me? Like, my territory is in a housing crisis. Right. <laughs> There's so many compounding issues. And then that that piece of being seen that, oh, you've lived in the South, though. So you're not, you know. Yeah. Hip. I guess I would say. <laughs> you're not with the times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that fine line of, of acceptance. Um but also I don't enjoy this narrative as well because of like, then that just furthers the divide mm-hmm. between um, Inuit who live in the South and Inuit who live in the North. Um, <clears throat> because like I said, like there's, there's plus and minuses on both sides, but the more we just fight amongst each other, it, it gives our power away. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember um, you telling me about, the fact that when you have to um, contact up north for information or any um, paperwork for like schooling or anything like that with like your land claims mm-hmm. that you're like, I I have to email. And then you had to teach your sister that it was she had to email in order to do that. And that calling was not the best way to do it because they automatically speak in a nook to Yeah. And then they kind of have a snippy I guess attitude towards you um when you're like I I don't understand sorry like you're and it's not it's not your fault like 110 percent like it's not your fault because you didn't you weren't fortunate fortunate enough to be able to grow up in your community so you weren't exposed to the language you're learning it on your own right now Mm -hmm. and so it seems unfair for people to take that tone with you even though you have just as much right to have the access to the things that you're trying to access. Right, the things I'm entitled to. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, like, just because there's a portion of us, there's a lot of Inuit who live in the South Mm -hmm. in various provinces, right? And, like, just because we live in the South doesn't mean we love our land less, right? That we love our culture less. It's it's not that at all. Um, I think maybe it's a little bit more of a hunger for it um, because of not having full access to it, but it still doesn't make me less Inuk yeah. or less connected in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I, I want folks to like get past that. It's like, there's no competition of like who is suffering more or who is accessing more yeah, or who loves land more or yeah. our people more. It's more like we should all just love each other mm-hmm. and um, relearn our relation to one another. Yeah. My, my situation isn't, I I don't have like, I have a similar story, but in like a different fashion. Um, I am non-status and I think that is the biggest hurdle that I am currently facing. Well, one of them, um, when it comes to my identity and also growing up in an urban setting, Mm -hmm. um, is that like, especially when I was trying to go back to school. I was trying to access, obviously, there was lots of funding out there, mm-hmm. and and all, all of that is usually for um, those who have status. So even when they tell you that you can be non-status, most of the time, even in the forms, I, I always get asked, oh, do you have proof of status? And I was like, if I had proof of status, I would have status. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is literally, it, it, it breaks my heart, and it's very discouraging for 
those of us who have have gone through circumstances like adoption and mm. and um or just being displaced that you don't have the same connection to family so like I have learned through an uncle that like I we have family that's on reserve but I have no connection Mm -hmm. and I don't have names so I can't contact them for information I just have some paperwork from my mom's adoption papers I have growing up hearing from my mom hearing from her mom Mm -hmm. which is my grandmother that um we're 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 Mm Mi'kmaq and I was like all right I got it I'm Mi'kmaq yeah. But obviously just saying that and having, you know, your relatives tell you that you are is uh, is not enough for people, yeah. which is ridiculous. And so I, I, I also have that situation where I've learned, I've been learning about what's going on back in like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the heartache and I feel sadness and anger and frustration seeing all the things that are happening with the um the treaty act of 1752 or 1752 treaty act sorry um and then uh like the housing crisis as well especially on reserves um and the the issues with water Mm -hmm. um after watching is it ellen is it elliot okay apologies elliot pages um documentary about um like Nova Scotia, because that is where they grew up, mm-hmm. um, and learning about, like, oh, what is it called again? Something's in the water. Yeah, something's in the water, and just environmental racism. Yeah. And learning about just all of the things that were going on over there that I have I had no idea about, mm-hmm. um, because obviously I, I don't live there, I didn't grow up there, um, but I still have love and appreciation for where my people have come from mm-hmm. and where they continue to live and prosper. But not all of us were fortunate enough to be able to live over there. And so I still try to get the word out there of what's mm-hmm. going on and occurring. Um, but obviously I can't fight and um, defend in the same way as people who are in mm-hmm. the territory. But I, I feel like that that shouldn't have to take away from our identities. The fact that we we don't live over there. We're, we're going to try to make it back over there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just, but at the moment, like it's one, it's just not feasible Yeah. Um, for either of us to be able to move. Um, you especially, it's very expensive yes. to get up north. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. Um yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And just um we just have to stop fighting with each other. Yeah. It is so draining and just it's just pointless. Mm-hmm. Um because then we're not actually, you know, trying to tackle issues as uh, a united front. You know. Yeah. And advocate on behalf of all people who are within our nations with the respected issues mm-hmm. rather than just being like, well, you have more privilege in this place, but you have more privilege in this place. It's like, okay, but how can we work together Yeah, and combine our tools and our knowledge to be able to like dismantle like the Indian act and racism. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is like no small battles, but I feel like we may need to like redirect where our anger is. We need to, decolonize Ooh, she our said views. 
around each other. Exactly. <laughs> she said it. Jeanette. Why are we talking like the colonizers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just tough. Do you have any really impactful memories of having to like negotiate yourself in the space when it comes to being in urban native spaces? Uh, I have probably a bunch. Um, I think the first one that comes to mind, um, is probably, probably Camosun, surprisingly. Mm. Um, there was some pros and cons, um, to it. I, when we were in the indigenous studies program at Camosun, it was a mixed group. Mm -hmm. So there was indigenous and non-indigenous people and it was somewhat assumed early on that I was non-indigenous until... We did the round, and I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Just, I am. Yeah. Um, but I s- was still very, very early in my journey of um, learning about my cultural identity and what that entailed. Um, so I wasn't able to advocate for myself very well. So I just kind of was quiet Mm -hmm. for most of it and didn't share my opinion or thoughts on a lot of situations just because I felt like because I didn't know a lot about the culture that I was not allowed to have an opinion Mm. um and I think the worst part was again circling back to status and non-status um there was um some funds available and it was through, oh, what was it through again? Anyways, doesn't matter. But um, this, the actually like the school, so the indigenous um, advisors mm-hmm. tried to advocate for me mm-hmm. on my behalf because they were saying um, the group that was providing um, these funds um, wanted proof, mm-hmm. and they're like the fact that this was when I was in IFS, the fact that I was accepted into a program that was only allowed Indigenous students into it, um, they were like, is that not enough? Right? They're like, the fact that we've been like, yeah, no, she is. Like, that's not enough. And that's not enough proof for you that she is Indigenous. And they're like, no, like, we need a a status card. And we're, or a status, or like a number. And I was like, thanks, thanks a lot. So I, something that I was very, very eligible for, I was not not allowed to apply for it. And obviously, like, the gentleman who was trying to, like, promote it was very, very, ups- like, sorry for me. But, um, yeah, that was, I think, the one that hurt the most. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was some stuff from, like, high school, but, like, it's high school's kids, so it's not, it's not the same vibe. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, I am a white passing individual um so going into certain areas like um friendship centers and things like that I always get like weird looks um obviously uh, over time um and like people being educated it's not the same as what it was like early like I I would say even a couple years ago Mm -hmm. um so it's it's much better now where I I feel like I I think it's because I feel that I identify much stronger now and I feel um more I guess resilient 
in being like, no, like this is this is who I am. Yeah. And you don't get to take that away from me. Yeah. That I don't I don't think people look at me the same way anymore because I just like walk in with my head hot, held high and I'm like, no, like I am indigenous. You don't get to tell me I'm not. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I've evolved. I have evolved. I am a Pokemon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Oh, goodness. Um, in the in the previous talk that I just did prior to us coming in to do our podcast, I spoke about uh, one of like my, my earliest memories. Uh, my mom always made sure that like I knew that I was Inuk no matter what, right? And um, I remember going to elementary school and I must have been in either like kindergarten or and they would take all these like precious little native kids, me being one of them, like haul them up to like the third floor to have like circle time and all that good stuff. And I remember looking around and like seeing other kids getting to color like longhouses and uh, totem poles. And I look at my coloring sheet, my coloring sheet's different. <laughs> it's igloos and uh, anukshuks. And I was like, I don't know how kids are supposed to color snow and rock. <laughs> Um, white crayons don't work (laughs) no right it's sad um and then realizing that like oh like I'm different I'm not like the kids that I'm sitting with Mm -hmm. um our pictures aren't the same and uh going into like social studies classes and then people teachers always being like oh like is there any like native kids here and I always put my hand up and they would ask like oh like where are you from and I'm like oh no like I'm Inuit and like even like not even like learning how to properly like identify myself as like an Inuk right and teachers would just like look at me like friggin stunned and I was like I don't know (laughs) why are you looking at me like that um which was really hard and then uh I kind of, I felt the same way in college too, of being like, oh, like I'm Inuk. And then also having like a lot of curriculum not reflect the Northern experience of colonization or any kind of Inuit like representation that's just like was non-existent. So like not being able to see yourself in the academia made it even harder to like be able to connect or like explain your culture or even learn about your own culture or feel like less of an outsider. Yeah. Which was super frustrating. And then, um, and then going into, and then like learning who my family is and stuff like that. And like, similar to you being like, no, like this is who I am. This is where I come from. Like you can't take that away from me. No. Right. And you don't get to pick and choose how Inuk I am or, uh, what, what it means to be Inuk. And, uh, I hate to break it to folks that not all indigenous people look the same. (gasps) What? This whole time? <laughs> Outrage. Right? We're not meant to look the same. Because um, often I, I I have gotten like, oh, like you don't look Inuk. And I'd be like, uh, you tell me what an Inuk person supposed to look like in 2021. Right. I, uh, but you dig that hole, buddy. Yeah, right? Or it's like, <laughs> oh, then people look, oh, well, you do look, you're, you do look like an Eastern, Eastern Inuit person. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, thanks. Is that, I'm like, you don't have to justify my own looks to me. Like, <laughs> I've been looking at myself for almost 26 years. Right. <laughs> I'm beautiful. I want beauty pageants. I don't know what you want from <laughs> me. Um, but uh, it's definitely been rough. But I think, <clears throat> pardon me, that living in the city sometimes gives you that break of, like, anonymity. I can't see you in the Anonymity? Yes. Anonymity. Anonymity. 
Um, English lesson, lessons from teacher pads. <laughs> Can you spell it? Um, <laughs> Probably. Not right now. <laughs> I have no respect for the English language. It's okay. Um, gives you that break, mm-hmm. right, of always having to be, like, on, like, the defense and things like that. Yeah. You can just kind of, like, we live in the downtown, so we can just kind of shut off our brains once in a while and... Listen to the sounds of the police. Basically, because we live... Right beside the police station. Right beside the police station, <laughs> um, unfortunately. But uh, I think it's interesting, though, too, like, watching on social media, like, the evolution of the urban Native identity. And also when it comes to style. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Okay. <laughs> um, dazzle me. Dazzle you? Well, I think that, um, at least what I've seen, I have a few uh, friends who live in the Toronto area mm-hmm. who are very fashionable in you know, women. And um, just like, I think urban natives, like we dress edgier. <laughs> that might be controversial that I just said. <laughs> But, uh, like, we mix and match to, like, right now, like, you're wearing, like, cut jeans and, like, a political shirt and braids. I like to wear this to work to really make the parents uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Like, I think it's interesting of, like, how um, our identity is incorporated with where we're living mm-hmm. and then has reflected in our clothing choices. And our uh, earrings and necklace. What do you want to call those? Accessories. There we go. I words um I think we also do it with our accessories as well because especially um for me with my job I have to wear a scrub set Mm -hmm. for work so I can't wear well other than when I do tours on the weekend I can't wear um my own clothing I have to wear the uniform for work so the only way that I'm able to express myself and my culture is through my accessories which is usually just earrings because children rip necklaces so it's just not an option um but the earrings are usually like I mean able to say like gentle and things like that so and then all of that but like it it starts a conversation at work as Mm -hmm. well uh I am the only indigenous person that I know of currently that works at my specific center And as far as I know, there's not really any Indigenous children as well. Mm -hmm. So this is the only way that a lot of people are exposed in some sense because I work at such a high-end daycare that they don't don't have the same interaction with um, those of us in community as other regular people might. So, yeah, I think that's one way that we're able to immerse other people in what our mm-hmm. um style is right being like hey guess what we're still here <laughs> right it's like subtle ways of reminders yeah. and um i think it's a way though too of like economic growth within our communities of we course always, i bought these earrings from so and so person right yeah and, and we're not we we allow everyone to buy them we're like yeah, you want yeah. some i'll make you some <laughs> like you look great in them, right? Yeah. Okay, but the one challenge we have as urban Indigenous people is the constantly combating and educating about uh, pan-Indigeneity. Yeah, um, this is a conversation that we tend to have daily. <laughs> Quite a few times a week, maybe. <laughs> um, but just the fact that people 
people who are not educated around um, indigenous problems don't understand that we are one. We don't all look the same because uh, we're not all the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Every territory is different from the other. And um, it's important to understand that indigenous is just like it's a broad term for um, those who are obviously indigenous to Turtle Island, which is North America. Um, And it's it's if you don't fully know where someone is from Mm -hmm. it's a good use Mm -hmm. um but you shouldn't refer to everybody as native or first nations Mm -hmm. because not everybody is um inuit and metis are separate um from first nations and honestly the thing that i was trying to teach people is if you're able to learn where and what nation people are from it's always best and most respectful to try to use that when speaking about them Um, if not indigenous it's a very good default. Yeah, it's more respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you more invested in the relationship, I find, if you properly know where your friends or family uh, are from, the territory yeah. that they're from, the yeah. nation they're a part of. Um, it deepens the connection and the respect. <clears throat> I know that for myself, there was a really long period of time what I was speaking to earlier where I would just say that like I'm native and leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> but like Inuk is so specific to where I am from mm-hmm. the territories that I am from. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Inuit, we, we don't use native. No. Right. Cause it's different. I am Inuk. Yeah. Of course, sometimes I'm speaking just for myself. I get lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I get lazy um, and that's not always good either. Yeah. It's something I'm definitely working on. And, uh, but yeah, like honoring the fact that there is three distinct groups yeah. within quote unquote Canada will, um, just make you a better person. Right. And, and also like just learning, like you can look up what the words mean exactly to get like a basic understanding. Cause like, especially when it comes to like Métis. Yes. Oh my God. I lose my biscuit because a lot of people for a very long time were like, Hey, aren't you technically Métis? And I was like, in a sense, in the sense of the word of it being someone of indigenous descent, um, um, having a parent of indigenous descent and also a parent of European descent. Yes. But the true basis of, the Métis culture has really nothing to do with that. Like it does, it originates from that, but there's the whole um, challenge of like in the, it's Red River, correct? Red River River Settlement. Settlement, thank you. I always say it wrong. I think it's, anyways. (laughs) um, But yeah, just like learning that just because people have mixed ancestry does not automatically make them Métis. Like that's not a thing. It's not a thing. And it's very disrespectful. Towards the Métis Nation because, like, they they yeah. had a huge challenge um, and they created and nurtured their own culture, their mm-hmm. own language. Like, they deserve to be respected and to be recognized mm-hmm. for who they are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that hard mm-hmm. to, you know, do your own research um, and, you know, listen to Métis voices and listen to First Nation voices and listen to Inuit voices mm-hmm. and how distinct and unique and beautiful all of our individual cultures are. Yeah. Because no nation's ever the same. And also there's this really fun uh, uh, resource that's like nativeland.ca and you get to like, it's a whole 
it's a giant map of um, North and South America, and you can zoom in to see what territory you're on and, like, who occupies your territory, like, yeah. what nations live on it, and, like, how to pronounce the name and, like, what treaties you're, like, residing in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it's super beneficial, um, and I, I refer that to my classmates sometimes, <laughs> um, especially when we're recovering, like, the Constitution and, like, quote-unquote Aboriginal title and land claims and I was like this is something we all should look at uh because it is user-friendly and it very informative mm-hmm. the story is by Shirley Gidju Gawai Here I stood in the still of of night with moccasins on my feet. From all around came voices singing and chanting stories of long ago. Slowly I walked towards the field in my moccasins' feet. As I came closer, I could see the elders of my ancestors. Silently I stood and listened, and a sense of peace came over me from the top of my head to the bottom of my moccasin feet. A gentle man he was. His voice was like that of of a soft breeze. What is that you seek, my child? I looked at him, not knowing what it was that I should say. Old man of my ancestors, I wish to sit and listen to your stories of yesterday. I wish to know of the old Mi'kmaq ways. He turned, then walked towards the others and spoke to them in a language I could not understand. I could feel my heart beating, but soon realized that it was not my heart, but the beating of the drums. The old man returned to where I stood. Sitting on the ground, he gestured for me to do the same. With tears in his eyes, he began to speak. It is not possible, my child, to join our songs and chants that speak of life. I looked deep into his eyes, wanting to ask why, yet the words would not pass my lips. The old man held my hand onto his and began with this. You say that you are of native blood, yet you cannot speak the language of your fathers. You do not know of how we lived. You do not understand the ways of the earth or what it can do for you. I held my head high and said that I am of Indian descent. Why do you say that I am not? He showed no bitterness bitterness for my angry words, only kindness as he began to speak once again. My child, listen and listen well. If you can do what I ask, then and then and only then can you sit and join our songs and chants. Can you tell what the wind is saying to us? Can you see the animals hiding in the forest? Have you listened to the running water? What did it say of the creatures that live within? Can you say which way the deer have gone? When you look upon the stars, can you find your way in the dark of night? Can you say what kind of day we shall have? Will it be dry or will the rains come? What will the winter months hold for us? Will we have to gather more food and fuel for those long, cold days ahead? Can you put your ear to the ground and say what you have heard? With that, he stood and helped me to my feet. Go back to where you have come, my child, and remember what I have said. My heart was heavy. I felt so sad, for I could not do any of what he had asked. The sound of the drums began to fade as I walked towards from where I came. Tears filled my eyes as I bent my head and realized that I no longer wore moccasins on my feet. Okay, my friends, thank you for listening. And you can follow us on Instagram at spilling Labrador tea under cedar trees. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms at spilling Labrador tea under cedar trees. See you later. Namaltis. Mm-hmm.